All right. Well, welcome aboard, everybody. Joe. Morning there, Tom. Morning. How are you today? A little under the weather, but I'm I'm anxious to talk about some great classic films, sir. All right. Well, let's do that. We got a couple of couple lined up here. Um, I got a I got the the, the first one we're going to be talking about. I have to say, I have a kind of a long and storied sort of a family history going on with it. Uh-huh. Uh, part of the cast um, was actually uh, from friends from my dad back in the old neighborhood back in San Francisco. Hmm. Um, the, the the name of the movie is The Russians Are Coming. The Russians Are Coming. Dad grew up in a predominantly uh, Irish Russian neighborhood, and so a lot of these people were like friends. They they actually helped him to learn to speak Russian. He speaks Russian rather haltingly, but still. Not too bad. Uh-huh. And um, a number of his friends, well, one of them in particular was like a really great, was a really good hand artist. And he went down to, uh, moved down to LA and got hired to be a set designer for Hollywood. And what, after this film? No, no, before this film. And so he brought some of his other friends down to help, you know, uh, to, to, they got, him, got a bunch of his other Russian friends' jobs. Yeah. And that's how they ended up. The crew on this thing, like the people, they needed Russian-speaking people to back the, uh, you know, to to uh, be part of this as extras, and so they just took the guy out of the set design department and they and uh, some of his friends and they put him on the on the camera. So, so we're talking about 1966. The Russians are the coming. Russians the Russians are, Russians are coming. coming. The Russians are coming. For yes, our, our Alan Arkin episode. So, so are you? Did your father know? Uh, these men before they were in this film? Absolutely. Yeah, he grew up with them in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. So yeah, so so like he'd always he'd always talked it up to me, and uh, and when I finally got a chance to watch it, I um, gotta say it was kind of cool. You know, I don't know any of those people at all, but, uh, have, you, but have you ever met them at all? No, no, none of them. Huh. They never came back to the Bay Area. Apparently, went down to L.A. and led, led you know led, led the Hollywood lifestyle or something like that. That's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of fun to like. How it's, it's just a little history connection there, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. That's kind of fun. You yeah. know, do you feel like um, you know we get all these stories um, from our parents' generation, right? So there's people born in like the '40s to early 1950s, mm-hmm. the old baby boomers, right? So that the whole um, classic sort of like duck and cover for like emergency drills for the the hydrogen or atomic bomb and and oh, and this sort of um, you know cultivation of of hatred for this the mysterious russians the evil empire mm-hmm. and so you know i guess if and correct me if i'm wrong history t- sort of tells us typically that both things are true that there are aspects of our enemy like the russians that are absolutely as um foreboding as, alien as and yeah, <laughs> well not scary. just alien but like like truly bad right and, sure. and 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 threatening and then aspects that were totally you know a sort of an exaggeration oh, of our perception of them and so so i'm wondering like do you think today for instance hmm. what do you suspect will, will shake out in terms of something like north korea well i think i think the parallels are are, are there first off like understand with the soviet union uh, as, as far as like how awful they were, they they had reason to not like us too. I no, mean, of course, yeah. Like so, the reverse was absolutely true as well. And this this is true. Then this is true. Uh, and this is the same thing with North Korea. I mean, there's a, there's an extent to which a cult of personality has warped everything. Yeah. Over in North Korea, but people are people wherever you go. I mean, that, oh, oh Jesus people Christ, people love <laughs> people. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, my, well, my bangs just grew. I remember, yeah, that one bang. I I remember. Um, like thinking in junior high school, watching um, like in a history class, um, Hoover sending the police to, to sort of break the strikes, mm-hmm. and and, um, and and thinking if if you isolated that sort of 
then silent footage of police on horseback riding through a crowd of people demanding better wages and and you know sort of um, whipping their clubs at them and so forth, mm-hmm. and and sent that to another country. Why wouldn't like the Russians, for instance? Mm-hmm. Because I was in junior high during the 1980s when we still had the sort of oh, yeah, Cold we still War, had right? this. Yeah, we both we both grew up in the end of the Cold War. End of the Cold War. So I remember thinking at the time, like, well, wait a minute, and, but not having the courage to ask anyone, like the right. teacher, like, wouldn't that also like that's the very thing we're watching? So. It's kind of interesting our relationship with Russia. It is, you know. I don't. And it's back. <laughs> it, it is, which goes to prove not everything. You look good, Russia. Really How have you been? Hello, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we need to be scary. We need to be scared of somebody with with a zip code now. So here you are. Yeah. As opposed to like ISIS or terror or or something that doesn't have a front door you can. Knock or someone on. we elected. I don't know. Just to be arbitrary. About hey, it. No, yeah. Just to be arbitrary. But uh, but this this movie is notable for a number of things. First off, it was one of the first sort of it was one of the first movies in the Cold War period, in the hard, you know, the, the right at the end of the sort of the hard edge of the first wave of the Cold War. This is one of the first movies that tried to reconcile and say that there was a certain amount of humanity in Russian. Yeah, at all. that's something interesting we can talk about because it, it, you know, to varying degrees of success in 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 my opinion. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? It's so, still skewed because so the, it's a comedy. Okay, right, right. It's so so we have. Um, we have Eva Marie Saint. We have Alan Arkin, of course. Mm-hmm. We have now I'm for Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner. I always want to say Rob, but it's but but it's his much more talented dad, Rob. Well, Carl. yeah, and also this is actually before he he began to look like the two thousand year old man that, that he and Mel Brooks <laughs> used to talk about. He actually is sort of a young, and by young I mean like our age, like forty mid forties. Mm-hmm. Um, has hair, where somewhat slender. Um, Eva Marie Saint, um, just past her prime, is is his wife, mm-hmm. and it's set in an island off off the coast of. Maine, as I recall. Coast of Maine, correct. Yeah, it's a sort of. Go ahead. Just contextually, I, I, I did manage to watch like a like a semi documentary about the making of this film. Get out of Carl here. Carl Reiner was like was was a huge Hollywood stud at this point. This was like a weird peak in his career, where yeah. he could get the where he managed to get this movie made. This was like a yeah, passion sure. project for him. Fair enough. So, but um, but yeah, no, Carl Reiner uh, is great. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ, um, what's his name? Uh, Brian Winters, Keith um, from Family Affair. Who eventually yes. moved on to kill himself? Holy shit, you're right. Yeah, um, as the sheriff. Uh, Winter. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Edgar Winter. No. Um, Edgar Winter. Yeah, <laughs> this was before he did Frankenstein, folks. No, it was one of his early pieces. Mork's, Mork's, Mork's kid. I can't remember his name right now. Mork's kid. Oh, Jonathan Winters is in it. Yeah, Jonathan Winters. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. It's oh. okay. Look, it's it's really got a cast of that type of people, and to some Just degree, it has. Mad- the f- Go ahead. Yeah, it's like a mad, mad, mad That's world. That's the sort of, very thing I was going to say next. Yeah. It has that flavor, like, although much more tolerable than the mad, mad, much mad more tolerable world. and much less, much less cameos. But but it's a lot of people that have a, a lot of weight. Yeah, and that you recognize it's comedic royalty for the time period. Okay, so fair enough. So they're on. So all these people in these different roles are on this island, mm-hmm. small island off the, off the coast of Maine, and, and, and a the, Russian submarine. Goes aground off the coast, right? Because the captain's an idiot. No, the captain's the captain's cranky. They don't have charts. He shouldn't. He shouldn't be pushing it as far as he is, but he does, and they get fucking grounded. Boom. So there's no, it's no a sp- nuclear sub. No spoiler here. I mean, right. this is the Cold War meeting, right? We actually have some actual Russians um, who have to go um, on, you know, get onto land right. and and try to figure out how to get. Um, well, what are they doing there, by the way? <laughs> there you go. It's, if you if you if you're not into the nautical thing, it might be not entirely clear what they're doing. What they're doing is is they they need to get, they've got this the, their sub is on a sandbar and they need to get a boat powerful enough oh, yeah, okay. to pull it off the sandbar and so what they do is they land a they land a land a port a landing party a little yep. star trek landing party situation yeah. on the island their <laughs> job is to go and and go go to the 
the city, quote unquote, which is it's really a, a it's village. It's nothing town, and those towns exist in New England all over the place. Just mm-hmm. a, you know, three hundred people, um, no real infrastructure or communication system. Right, and except for like individual quirkiness inside of it, almost everybody on the the island, with the exception of Reiner and his family, mm-hmm. are absolute stereotypes yep. of what you'd expect in the situation. Right. So. Okay, so the Russians are there, and it's this ridiculous sort of like let's let's practice English, please. Uh-huh. Hi, I am Plant. How are you? I introduced this movie to a friend of mine mm-hmm. when we were in the Navy, and uh, for Navy. for the rest of our time in the Navy, like emergency, everybody to Catherine Street became like one of our little. It was just oh, something gee, we would say to crack each other. Up. Even on water, you got damn right, buddy. This is one of those films, by the way. I just have to say, it, there's a whole like. Um, cottage industry of this type of film from like the early 60s to the early 70s and a great example of this type of film was a film called Cold Turkey with Dick Van Dyke um, it was it's a it's a like the, the premise of the film was that um, an entire town will be given 50 million dollars if everyone in the town quits smoking mm. and so it's you know uh, it's one of those it's it's one of those films where like the movie poster necessitates that everyone has tiny um, uh, legs and huge torsos and even bigger heads on the movie poster. Okay. Does that make any sense? Not really. It doesn't matter. But okay. Look it up. It's just one of those sort of time. like it's very sort of like Wonder Bread, mm-hmm. this, this, uh, this type of film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing really, well, except for I think the underlying premise at the time. Which is? Well, again, the, again, the, the, the extension of humanity to, a, to, a Russian, to Russians, that, uh, that is a little bit, uh, but the rest of it is very not Because there's no plot after what we said except this, except that the Russians are then there, like right. seven of them led by Alan Arkin, who's the lieutenant of this of this, uh, who's great. Alan Arkin's always fucking great. He's one of the most no charismatic actors in, in Hollywood. Yeah, I kind of want like to be Alan Arkin in some ways. Even today, he pulls off yep. old man actor like nobody else can. He's fantastic. So he's the lieutenant uh, who takes the, the seven. Uh, yeah, takes the seven other Russian sailors um, onto the island. Obviously, they're discovered, and so the rest of the film is just like the seven of them running around while rumor of their presence. Sort of in a henny penny fashion <laughs> creates a panic. Creates a panic around the island, mm-hmm. and and um, uh, fosters a sort of like you know the the tin horn patriots, right? The sort of like the yes. the, the survivors of World War One, I, I guess, who are like ninety <laughs> to to have like the lead the charge to get the Russians off the island. They can't find the Russians, mm-hmm. so it's just like a madcap running around. Yes, it turns into cannibal run from one end of an island. It to is the other. cannonball just, run. That's just, great. Just hillbillies trying to. to who are afraid of things that, that are Russian for yeah. some reason and no idea, right? And of course, somehow one of the well, younger Russian sailors uh, managed to get, manages to get isolated and then and then runs into like um, an American babysitter, and so right, right, right. There's a babysitter little, for Carl Reiner's family, right? And so there's this little sort of like romance that flourishes between them. It's the first sign of where the film is going in terms yeah. of like we're all people mm. and. Doesn't love conquer these sort of you know boundaries and Cold War ideals and so forth. Go yeah. ahead. And what's his name? The guy, the guy you mentioned earlier, he's the only he's the only sane person on the Brian the sheriff. Brian he's the sheriff. He's the, yeah, he's the sheriff on the yep. island. He's the only sane. Well, he's the only yeah. one keeping it sane. He's keeping it sane, buddy. <laughs> That's it. Keeping it for real sane. Yeah. So so look. So you like this movie? I adore this. movie. Let's hear it. And I. I I love this movie. I'm not altogether sure. You know, in, upon reviewing, um, I still love this movie. Okay. It's a fun movie. Yeah, it this is, is not a fun a great movie. movie. This is not great cinematography. There's nothing There's nothing outstanding or extraordinary about this movie, except that it's feel-good, and I think 
I think it really was. I think there is a certain point, like I said, to which the, the humanity is, is sort of extended. I think as as uh, it's a little bit landmarky in that sense at that at the time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of it is um, if if you said I hate that movie, yeah, I'd get it. I wouldn't appreciate that fact. Yeah. I find it hard to believe somebody could hate this movie. I mean, anyone who would it's normally enjoy a classic movie should like this movie. I mean, people who think yeah. that any old movie is bad or black and white movies right. are terrible. Yeah, right. but but yeah. Wrong no. people. Wrong people. No, I agree with people you. People like Anthony, that cock. That son of a bitch from our past. So, so yeah, I think that um, it's, it's, uh, very, it's an enjoyable movie. And on top of it, you can see the influence in other movies. There are things that are di- directly lifted, I now see... Um, in Broadway, Danny Rose by by Woody Allen later oh, on, okay. or um, in Glorious Bastards, I think takes um, little liberties. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a great film. It's a great sort of um, historical piece about um, our thinking about the Cold War, mm-hmm. but perhaps like you know the so-called Hollywood liberal elites. Um, uh, you know, to yep. use modern terminology, the oh, attempt yeah. to sort of go back in and, and, and reframe it or ask new questions about how valid mm-hmm. that, that animosity between the Russians or any superpower in the United States um, is. Right. Um, everyone does super competent <laughs> acting. I mean, mm-hmm. Arkin is, uh, Arkin is uh, above everyone else. Yeah, but everyone is competent. Um, it's goofy. Um, it's got a great sc- sort of screwball pace. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the cinematography. Um, I-, I would say the only sort of thing I just kept cringing at um, at different times in the film is the thing you're kind of supposed to cringe at 50 years after the- a film like this is made, and that's how ridiculous the sort of um, coming together of the two sides is. It's kind of grotesquely sentimental. It's ridiculous. It's very. It's tortured, basically. Yeah. Like a child's life gets endangered. Oh, and- it's. Do you want to give that away? I don't mind giving I don't mind. it away. I don't yeah. mind. I don't think. It- I- no, because as you said, there's nothing. There's that, some ridiculous. The original setup: the kid, this kid, like this kid, uh, gets endangered, and the townspeople and the crew of the ship, uh, of the submarine, yeah. um, come together to save the child's life, and then everyone's like patting each other's back to and, save the child's life in a weird way. Anyway, it's not even like like you, yeah, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, like it's like one of the scenes where like a child in a movie endangers his life so stupidly, you're like, please die. Yes, and somehow <laughs> you need to shuffle off, Jackson. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, so the town sort of rallies now in, in favor of the mm-hmm. Russian submarine to, to sort of um, uh, give them safe passage out of the area. Right. And, because it turns the, against the, 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 United, U- the United States military has been war- alerted to their presence. It's, well, in the, that sense, this ma- this town off the coast of Maine has turned against. Yeah, Tim, it's treason. <laughs> so I don't know. It's it's a I look. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I have nothing bad to say about it. It strikes me as another sort of classic Sunday afternoon. Let's fit another classic movie in before we have to go to work. On Monday, right? Very enjoyable. Nothing wrong. Certainly not great, or like amazing. Not great. Not amazing. No, this yeah. is not again. Not fantastic cinema by any stretch. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I, I enjoyed the living shit out of it. 1966. The Russians are coming. Comma. The Russians are, are coming. coming. Yeah. Okay. Anything oh, yeah. more to say about this film? Take that, Maine. <laughs> um, not about this film, but I want to take a second to just digress about Alan Arkin. I think okay. we've talked about. I think you and I have. Well, we've made it very clear. We have a mutual admiration for this guy. He we really do. is. Yep. Pretty amazing. What I found, what I come to found out um, not too long ago. What'd you come to found out? What I come to found out a couple yep. of, a couple of yarn and years ago, while I was down on the firm. And uh, no, here's what it is. Um, Don't try to hide was, your mistake with guy, humor. Uh, yes. Well, but thanks for. Thanks for making sure it died, you cunt. Okay. Um, the fact that he actually was one of the founding members of the Second City. 
Alan Arkin was. You're kidding me. No. I, mean, he was like, I think Elaine May was also in the founding members, but oh. that's how, that's basically how he got his acting chops. He started off as an improvis- improvisational actor and a sketch comedian actor yep. uh, with the Second City. Okay. And got discovered by Hollywood. A bunch of them got discovered by Hollywood all at the same time, but he was the cream of the crop. Uh, that's a cool story. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of Alan Arkin, Arkin. we now want to turn to 1968. Uh. The Heart is He's a Lonely, lonely hunter, hunter, which is, of course, the adaptation of the Carson McCullers novel of 1940. Right. right. Um, did you ever read the book? I've read the book many times. It's it's a, oh. it's kind of one of my go-back-to books every so often. I go yep. back and, re- and reread that. Do you like Car- Carson McCullers in general? I haven't read anything else by her. Oh, there's a great uh, The Ballad of the Sad Cafe. The Ballad of the Sad Cafe and uh, the, the, the Member of the Wedding, I think, is another one that she's supposedly really good. Uh, I read something interesting about her that... that um, she um, would uh, praise every novel that she ever read, and mm-hmm. so people stopped taking her seriously. And then <laughs> I just realized that that's a totally not interesting piece of information. I thought it was as it was coming out of my mouth. I thought there'd be more to it. All right, so Carson McCullers, uh, "The Heart Is a Lonely Hunter." Which, yeah, I adore that book. Yeah. Um, so um, the book, the movie is its own thing. I mean, they're, 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 there's a lot of similarities. Yep. They, all the characters are more or less the same. The conclusions are a little bit different, blah blah If you've read the book, you'll still enjoy the movie. Okay, so the, the, the premise is really, it, it, it revolves around Alan Arkin's character, who is a deaf, deaf mute, mute yes. uh, living in Georgia. As I recall, somewhere south, okay. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere really south, and and he's got a, he has a friend who is um, a dummy. Yeah, the, 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 he, has, <laughs> he has a friend, he has a deaf mute friend. Yeah, uh, who is he's called the Greek in the book. The, yeah, the, uh, Antonopoulos, I think, is the character's name. Yep, uh, played by the guy who did the Hi Guy. Uh, I don't know if you remember that commercial from the seventies. High guy. Yeah, the, the, the guy would open up. And, so he was looking for shaving cream, and he would open up his cabinet. And there'd be like the other guy's face uh-huh. on the other side. Hi guy, and no. he would like hand him with shaving cream. I join everyone in not knowing what you're talking about. Uh, but, but she, I bet it's on YouTube. I swear to God. Okay, so so but this guy is is a load of trouble because he he is pure id. He's pure appetite. Yeah, he is. And pre- there's something wrong with him mentally. That's for sure. Certainly, and and so uh, finally, he's been busted by the police one more time. This time. I'm breaking the window at a bakery because he sees a cake he wants to eat and, right. a, and, and a wedding couple atop and the cake I get he wants that. to put in his pocket. I get that. <laughs> I know, Tom. Yeah, we have to talk after this episode. You, get, you, have to sh- you have to brush the glass off the cake. It's just not okay. I was thinking about that and you. So so um, his cousin, who's who's been he's been a ward of his cousin, um, some other Greek grocer, yeah. um, says, this is enough. I'm sending him off to essentially a, 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 a madhouse. A, a sane asylum. Yeah, a sane asylum, right. <laughs> and he's not really a, a, insane. I mean, he's harmful in as much as he's he'll break glass to, to eat a cake but he doesn't have an unkind bone in his body he just needs care yeah well yeah he needs somebody to look after him and right? alan and arkin singer can't, and, and uh, alan arkin's character singer yeah <coughs> the deaf mute named singer uh yeah. can't do it mm-hmm. um adequately so yeah sending him off to this asylum essentially but which which is a bummer for singer but but um <coughs> he understands that he can move to a different town and be closer to the asylum so that he can help out assist right. his friend but now, what's really clear in the bo- in the book that is not clear in the movie is that they're both gay. Oh, yeah, they're they're actually lovers. So, so that's Alan Arkin's like is like in love with him. So, so he moves to this moves to this small town, moves into a boarding house. Yeah, how was that clear in a night? I'm curious in a nineteen. 19- <coughs> I'm not questioning you. I'm just questioning the world. How was that clear? <coughs> 
in there's a 1940 only, book. There's only one bed in their apartment that they share. Uh-huh. It's just a couple of little, hmm. a couple of little things okay. she threw in there. Yeah. All right, go so go ahead. So so they so they move. Uh, he moves closer to to be to the Greek um, to the Greek. Right? Okay. And one of the things that also is is the other thing too. Again. More like I said, some of the conclusions are a little bit different from book to movie. In movie, it's also clear that his relationship is he the only person he feels he could talk to is the Greek. Yeah. The Greek never really talks back, so it's yeah. kind of the Greek is kind of a Tom Rasa character, okay, in that sense. And so, uh, so Singer moves to this small town, moves into this uh, this boarding house with all these sort of um, you know this kind of troubled southern well so the, yeah just to clarify yeah that's in. that's that's how we create the new situation right is <laughs> is er, everything is new so he arrives new into this town right. he rents a room from this place so i just want to sort of yeah step back create that as a threshold that mm-hmm. that's that's really where the film opens up essentially is right. that is that he's new in town so go ahead sorry no he's new in town um he's deaf he has an interest he his face looks interested and so people are drawn to him. He has a magnetic, people are magnetically sort of drawn to him. They want to talk to him. Yep. Tell him their story. He can't hear them, of course, but he can read lips. That's what I mean, very clear. Yep. Um, and, and so, so he draws this, this sort of circle of misfits. In, well, he's the, con- he's a confessor him. in that sense. I mean, it's, exactly. I mean, he's the same tabla rasa that the Greek was to him in a sense right. for these other people. Yep. These people who have got their own little troubles going on. Like one of them is a teenage girl. Yeah. She's got all the problems of a teenage girl sure. growing up in the South, a person with ambition who wants to do things with her life, and the chances are she's going to end up, you know, pregnant and working at the at the Skippy Mart or some shit like Who's that. Who's not as wealthy as as the friends in her school district for some reason. Right. Her father is in a wheelchair, which in nineteen. 19- 40 or 1968 really means he can't work and, he, and he's, he's you know he's almost not a man like that comes across of course he's, he's treated in that sense uh stacy keach is a does a is really a, great turn in this about movie. a 15 or 20 minute role that's it might have been his first am i crazy Pro, well yes but i don't know if this is the proof of it uh yeah. this is uh i, I don't I don't. I can't answer that. I don't okay. Know. Well, anyway, he plays a but great it's a young character. Stacey Keach. He yeah. still has the mustache. Yeah. Uh, plays this. Uh, plays a uh, kind of a wandering rabble rouser sort of a character. You know, he's yeah. Uh, somebody who wants. To, he's a union organizer in the South. Yeah. Which you know is uh, is hostile territory for a person of his character. Yeah. He's a drunk. Mm-hmm. And he's a serious drunk. Yeah. 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 So so very troubled, and he and he latches on to the singer character as well. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there's the black doctor, and this is where it gets really southern, really it's a south. Black separatist doctor, right? Yeah, right. Well, separatist, yeah, I guess. You know, he's but he, but he's he's a doctor. He has worked at really hard at being a doctor. Yeah, he wants to be the he wants to be the dignified black man. He wants to be a man whose dignity is such that the white people cannot deny him that, and that puts him at serious odds with like. But the, him and his family, and his family doesn't yeah. necessarily agree because in order to do that, he basically alienated all of his children doing. But I don't know. I I I sort of perceive it differently. I don't, I don't oh, know that sure. he wants the the white establishment's respect at all. Well, he wants he wants he wants the he he's demanding it in a sense. I would say. Mm, okay. Well, we just disagree about that perception of sure. his character. But mm-hmm. but but in any case, um, uh, he states openly like um, I only treat colored uh, people. Right, right? because the, 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 we, we meet him when Stacy Keats has gone completely batshit, uh, yeah. and he's drunk, and he is uh, you know, battering a wall with his hands with his head and his fist, and they bring the they bring the black doctor over, and he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't deal with white people. <laughs> but I mean, so then it's I think worth noting, like all of these, like the new town that mm-hmm. Alan Arkin's character singer arrives in, um, 
all these characters are introduced. The black doctor, Stacy Keach, the young girl, the young girl's parents, um, the young girl's friends. All of these sort of people are introduced, and, and it's this mosaic of, of problems and crushed dreams and all this sort of stuff. And, and he's the centerpiece. And it's worth noting what's obvious, but it's still worth noting. He doesn't have any dialogue, obviously, yeah. because he's a deaf mute. And how central and important Alan makes himself yeah. as an actor in this film that you are communicating with him as an audience member constantly. Um, and, but he doesn't yeah. say anything. Doesn't say a goddamn word. And, and it's I, not I a cheap that's... trick. This, is, this isn't the artist. No, no. You know, or something like that. It's, which I liked, but no, it's not but a cheap is, trick. But this might be being there. That sense of, of an actor who's so goddamn good in their craft yeah. that they could be, uh, again, I hate to use the word, it's kind of douchey, but tabla rasa, like the blank slate. You do hate that That people term, project into. Yeah. You know, and, and we as the audience do too. I mean, he's, yeah. he's so fucking, he's so compelling as an actor, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's fucking great. I love Alan Arkin. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, he's a, a a deaf mute, and I, you know, as I do oftentimes with films, you know, I mentioned it before with Goodfellas or, or something. I want to be a, the character in the film for mm-hmm. a couple of days afterwards. Yeah, it's weird to want to be this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But there's a there's a gentleness, or there's a there's a. He, he portrays gentleness. He pr- pr- portrays concern. Yeah, like he's like like a, like a genuine compassion. Yeah, you know, and that that comes across, and that's part of that's part of that attraction that draws everyone to him, including again the audience. So, yeah, so yeah, um, it was the second film for me in a, in a forty eight hour period that I started crying at the end of the film, and I should just I just never fucking cry. I'm yep. just not a crier, and I fucking started like not quite like hot tears mm-hmm. running, but like a, a very clear like tears running down the old cheeks crying man because it's just like well first of all can i just say this i hate to interrupt the flow here um america's over i should just say that in the middle of this episode (laughs) wow and the world is shit i mean just pick up a newspaper and so i think with all of that sort of stuff behind us and you know you got your donald trump's and your harvey weinstein's and you got north korea and you got all this sort of shit in the world Mm -hmm. and then you watch a movie like this and you just feel like uh you know Where's the barrel of the gun? Can I guide it to my mouth? <laughs> it's just awful. I mean, awful in a good way. No, I can't I recommend a, yeah, how good, good this film is yeah. in terms of a film that would make you feel sad. True I, I, sadness. I can think of two. I can think of two things that make me cry just about every time. I, I one's a book called Flowers for Algernon, mm-hmm. uh, and two is The Heart Is a Lonely Hunter, the movie. It, when I just when I watch it, the ending, Flowers for Algernon makes you cry. The book does. Oh, no, it does. It's so douche. sad to me, man. Oh, I can't take you seriously. I know because you have no fucking soul, you heartless. Bastard. I just told you I cried during this movie. Yeah, at the end of this probably, movie. That's probably because you think, oh, nobody suffered enough in this thing. That's, <laughs> that's my theory. <laughs> He was still able to communicate, and I don't like it. <laughs> now I just think I just think Flowers of Algernon is kind of a. It is hokey, but there's something yeah. about it that just gets me in the in the feelies. So, uh, and uh, Hard as a Lonely Hunter. If I want a movie that that I know is going to make me just like sort of, yeah, you know, un- un- unload the little tear ducty thingies every once in a while. That's mm. the movie I put on. I love that movie. Yeah, it's fucking great. Uh, so. I guess to sort of go back, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. Um, we both acknowledge that it's not amazing no. a film work, but it's no. very enjoyable. It's very, it's very enjoyable. It's very competent. It's a competent it film, yeah. yeah. And that The Heart of the Lonely Hunter is just a fucking... Am- I don't know why it doesn't crack my top ten for some reason, but it, it definitely... Um, some films don't 
crack my top 10 that still have a greater effect on me than films that do. Mm. It's just weird when you make these lists for yourself, but this <laughs> film is fucking <laughs> it, amazing. It, it helps us understand why lists are stupid. In this. Lists are <laughs> kind of dumb, I guess, but we make them for ourselves. Yeah, no, um, yeah, Hard as a Lonely Hunter all the way. I think it's, uh, I think it's, a, it's a really good film. It's like bordering on great and the acting and the emotion in it Always get me. And always there, get me. But there's films from that time period. There was a special time period in the late 60s and early 70s. You know, because I mentioned before when I was referring to the Russians are coming, Russians are coming, how goofy some films were. I mean, thinking about films like The, mm-hmm. the Million Dollar Duck and just all these <laughs> terrible, terrible movies. The Fish You Save Pittsburgh or, or, or The Incredible Mr. Limpet. Like, there's a whole sort of range of films in that time period where we were indulging in bullshit, enjoyable yeah. bullshit, but bullshit. Yeah. But also, there were films that. Um, were quiet, and maybe it was just that film. The technology was good enough to, to really um, take quiet, or, or maybe that audiences had had sort of developed enough to, to be able to sit through quietness mm. in a film. But they're they're quiet, um, and yeah. I think this is one of them. And it's it's beautiful in its quietness. It is, and it has that quality too that I really enjoy. Like out of some of those late sixties, mid to mid seventies movies, yeah, which is. And I think the other one I can think of would be the Wild Bunch has the same quality. Is like when it's hot in the movie set, yeah, you feel it. Oh, that's interesting. There's, there's, a, there's an atmospheric yeah. to this movie that is really kind of intriguing. So that's another ad, uh, addition to it, I think. It's really great. Great. Well, Can't recommend that movie enough. Well, go watch it, people. Tom, you have any business to talk about? Oh, yes, absolutely. Hey, please join us on uh, Finley's on Films uh, and sponsor us on Patreon, please. We could really use the help on that. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Also, By the way, this is a small, small correction because you always say this. and It's very understandable. It's not Finley's on Films. It's Finley's on film. Oh, that is correct. Did I say film? You do that every time. Oh. <laughs> People will figure Finley's it out. On, uh, Finley's on film. Yeah. I'm sorry about no that. No problem. Ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> wow. He's going to let, he's gonna let that pass and not stab me. What a, how unusual. Uh, well, okay. I'm crying a lot lately, so you I'm are. trying to go with it. Joe's. <laughs> Just resenting the, he's crying because other people are crying real. So yeah, uh, and um, and um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Well, go to check, uh, check me out. I'm I've got a website. I'm TomSmithComedy.com. Yeah. Okay. Well, very cool, Tom. Thanks. And you go check out uh, Joseph's book. He's a published poet. Got a book called uh, Living with Silence. No, Living with Noise. Okay. Which one is it, dude? It's your book. <laughs> you, I didn't write matter. it. Somebody buy it, so that'll make 501 people who read it. All right. We love you guys. See you next time.